Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Double J, Jeff Jarrett here to tell you about SaveWithConrad.com. You've heard Conrad talk about the total nonstop savings they've provided current homeowners. But did you know Conrad and his team can also help my world listeners become homeowners? They make buying a home easier than getting the bag after a good housekeeping match. But don't take the last outlaw's word for it. Franklin Dove, Orlando, Florida. After listening to all of Conrad's podcasts and hearing the different stories that he shared, I felt the time was right for me to explore buying a home again and uh, reached out. And one thing led to another and finally closed last week. It was excellent. Uh, Everything flowed smoothly from my first contact. I just put in the initial request online. Francis reached out. We started the application process, got the approval moving. Holly was great. Larry Thompson was amazing. Everything was smooth. Communication was perfect. Really, it was a, a much better experience than anything that I could have imagined. My name is Franklin Dove in Orlando, Florida, and I got into my dream home thanks to SaveWithConrad.com. That's right. In my world, it doesn't get any better than five stars. Don't let your landlord get over on you. Walk out on that bad deal and stop throwing your money away on rent today with SaveWithConrad.com. That's right. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084 Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you are listening to a very special edition of Strictly Business. And of course, we couldn't do it without the one and only. Hall of Famer himself, Mr. Easy E, Mr. Eric Bischoff. Eric, how are you, man? I am just sitting back trying to digest all of the news. And I want to point out that John Alba couldn't be here. He's on the road traveling today. And we had recorded a show yesterday that was originally going to drop today. But with all the news that is developing this morning, as soon as I open my eyes, um, 
Conrad jumped in and said, let's do it. And uh, here we are. We're going to bring you as up-to-date as information as we possibly can today, Thursday, when Strictly Business drops. Eric, there's so much to unpack here. I feel like uh, we should just let everybody know that we are actually recording uh, at 105 Central. So that's 205 Eastern on Thursday, September 21st. And we're in the middle of a crazy day. We started with some pretty crazy news and uh, then maybe some even crazier news, although we probably predicted some of this. We knew that this merger was going to change some things, uh, that things would uh, continue to evolve and there would be some good and there would be some bad and there would be some ugly. And that certainly feels like where we are right now. But we started the day with some interesting news. And I can't say this is necessarily a surprise, but I want to talk about the strategy behind it. The news came out this morning that SmackDown is moving to USA. The Fox relationship is going to come to an end one year from now in October of 2024. Uh, also in that release, I guess it looks like there's five more years of Peacock and uh, maybe there's some primetime specials with NBC universal in the future, but it feels as if this is, uh, well, I don't know another way to say it. It makes a lot of sense as to why they had this merger announced last week. Uh, I, I, when I saw this news, Eric, and I want your two cents, I thought to myself, I had heard this thing might not be done this merger until the end of the year. And all of a sudden, no, no, it's going to be done in the middle of September. And I thought to myself, self, what does that mean is going to happen in late September? Something is happening. And of course the value behind WWE stock, I think Eric, you would agree is largely hinged on the television rights deals. And there's been an expectation that every time you get a chance at a renewal, you're trying to go up, 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 up. That's how you grow the business. It's your biggest line item. It's your biggest income source. It's your biggest revenue stream, whatever you want to call it. We got to try to grow it. And I couldn't help, but wonder, man, were they crazy? Like a Fox? Like, did they realize and recognize, Hey, this deal is going to have to be announced. And if we're judged on our stock as it is that we're not going to get this huge bump from Fox, maybe that could be spell disaster for the price. So let's get this merger out of the way. Then we'll announce it. Maybe we can navigate these waters a little easier. What do you think of the timing of last week? The endeavor thing is made official this week. Hey, we're off of Fox. Yeah. It's hard not to, you know, accept or agree that there's a correlation between the two in terms of how deep that correlation is or, 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 or what's behind it. I, I can't even begin to guess. I think your top line observation is probably correct. It was, it was done in order to create and maintain as much value um, at the time of the transaction, the, the, the acquisition of WWE by Endeavor to create TKO. Um, I don't know, man, I, uh, beyond the fact that I don't believe there's any, anything in, that's a coincidence in the world of te television and, and, and business, uh, the business of television, it's very interesting. I mean, it's a lot of news coming all at once. It's almost hard to digest. It is. Uh, I'm curious, you know, first of all, uh, I know once upon a time people would have the position that, you know, well, Fox is broadcast USA is cable. This is a step backwards. I know that perception is reality. So I do want to talk about that and give that some value, but in all reality, that's kind of not the way the space operates in 2023. Fair to say. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, and, and looking back when I read the news early this morning, um, 
when I read the news, I immediately went back because I was in WWE for the debut of SmackDown on Fox and had been there for just, I, I got there really in July towards the middle or end of July. And by that time, the deal with Fox had already been negotiated. A lot of the plans had already been developed, the graphics and all of things, you know, all the production side of things had already been developed. And, and that was part of Kevin Dunn's initiative. Anyway, I would have not had anything to do with it, even if I was there earlier than I came in. So I came in right before the, the premiere of SmackDown on Fox. The one thing that I do recall, and this is what I thought about this morning is expectations. I think the expectations for SmackDown on Fox were so high. I, I can't remember exactly who told me or where I heard this, but within the context of a smaller group meeting, at a very high level, the numbers that people were talking about internally, not publicly, were between five and six million viewers per week. That was the expectation. And we came in, the initial uh, rating for the show, I think, came in about 3.8 or 3.9 million. So I think there was an immediate disappointment based on the expectations, whether those expectations were real or imagined, they were there. And then subsequently, I think WWE lost probably over the course of a month or two, 30 to 40% of that number and settled in around the, whatever the average was after that, probably around two, 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 five, which is still comparatively speaking. If you go back and you look at the weekly ratings and the commentary surrounding it, SmackDown was typically one number one for the night in, in all of television and probably held up pretty well throughout the week in terms of all of television certainly in the demo. So it did SmackDown did very well on Fox compared to the rest of the television universe, but not well enough to meet initial expectations. Again, whether those were real or not real. I wonder if, um, if part of the issue is just the relationship WWE has with some of their partnerships. I don't know another way to say it, but I've always gotten the vibe. And I've certainly heard from people who have associations there and I won't name their names because some of them are still doing business with them. But I think we all just saw recently, uh, as you and I are recording this WWE ended their, their longtime trading card deal with Panini. And that's a pretty long-term relationship, but I've heard some of those folks, not at Panini, but at other partners, we'll call it. Talk to me and confide in me about how difficult it is to do business with WWE that there is, uh, almost, um, an arrogance in the approach in that a lot of folks think, and on the WWE side, we're doing you a favor by letting you work with us. You're lucky to have the opportunity to work with us at WWE, as opposed to, Hey man, we're going to go hard charging at this thing and do our best to over deliver value to you as our partner. That's not always the way some of their partners feel. They've told me that. And I wonder if Fox maybe felt some of that too, that maybe they were living up to their end of the bargain, these giant checks, and maybe WWE wasn't as giving of a partner as they would have hoped. Would that, would that surprise you to hear that that may be the case? Yes. Yes. And, and partly because of my own experience during that period of time, uh, as we were getting ready for the premiere 
uh, on Fox for the short period of time, you know, the three or four months I was there after the premiere, probably only about three months after the premiere. Um, and just on what I know of the people involved on the WWE side, there was a big priority there. WWE was bending over backwards. I, I mean, yes, that it would absolutely surprise me if there was anybody at Fox that were to say the reason or one of the reasons, or at least beneath the surface of the main reason there, they felt like there wasn't really uh, uh, an equal exchange of effort or, or commitment. I, 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 I wouldn't believe that. I, I honestly think, look, nobody had ever, it was the first time to my knowledge that anybody had ever put weekly professional wrestling on a major broadcast network. Right. Yeah. The expectation was, and I think this is where both WWE perhaps and Fox misjudged, you know, going into the negotiation, negotiating on that price. I think the perception as well, if we're doing X amount of, of viewers in cable, <laughs> are you kidding me? Fox based on their, their current positioning within the marketplace at that period of time should do at least twice that much or 50% or whatever, the, whatever number they came up with and projected because it's all a projection until you do something, you don't know for sure. All you can do is project based on data that you have available to you at the time, but there's still a little bit of instinct there. And one of the other things that Fox brought to the table and did an amazing job at it, by the way, was promotion. You know, if you go back, if you remember leading into the premiere and even for quite a while after SmackDown premiered on Fox, Fox did an amazing job of promoting SmackDown and WWE in all of their adjacent programming on, you know, on football. You know, I, I, I mean, they were everywhere. You couldn't swing a cat by the tail and not hit a television that had a Fox WWE promotion on it. It was everywhere for a long period of time, not just for a week or two or three weeks leading into the, the, the premiere, but long afterwards, big, big effort on WWE's part as well as Fox's part. And I think the, I don't want to call it a misjudgment, but I, I think the, the miss based on expectations that's it was that it did just didn't deliver the audience that the financial model was built upon. It's that simple. No, I mean, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, I think that's important in what we're saying here and you and I've said it a lot on our show, 83 weeks, the key to life, certainly the key to business, but I think even in our personal relationships is managing expectations. And this Fox deal does feel like perhaps some expectations were mismanaged. I don't know another way to say this. If Fox felt like they had gotten their money's worth, this deal probably would have been renewed. No, absolutely. I, and, and I heard, and again, I'm, I'm going to be careful with what I say here out of respect for the people involved, but it was my impression that there were key people involved and, and dealt with, I didn't, you know, I, I dealt at a high level, but not the highest level with Fox, even in the short period of time I was there, 
I had a, a, a call once a week with, with uh, an executive from Fox. Um, it was my impression that there was a lot of interest in not even waiting to re not even waiting to the end of the term to renew and extend the deal beyond the initial contract agreement. That's how high everybody was. Even after the premiere, there was still a lot of conversation. Well, not a lot. Careful what I say here. There was conversation that I was privy to that suggested to me that there was an expectation that the Fox deal would be a very long-term deal and would be extended before the expiration of the original deal. Now, that didn't come to pass for a lot of reasons. And let's talk a little bit more about expectations. I think the expectations were probably based in reality at the time. The reality, you know, if the, if the show premiered in, in September of 2019, I think that's when it was, um, the deal was probably being negotiated for a good six or eight months, maybe even a year in advance, at least the beginnings of the deal, the beginnings of the discussion. The math that would have corresponded with some of the early negotiations and planning, at least on Fox's part, would have been probably based on where television was, where ad sales were, where viewership was in 2017 and 2018. By 2023, with the impact of streaming and, and just the shakeup in television in general, even though those projections were based on data that was probably pretty realistic and sound in 2017 or 2018, those projections might have been greatly affected by just the shift in the advertising marketplace as a result of streaming. Television has continued to deteriorate over the last five years. Despite the fact that WWE has done a great job, SmackDown has done a great job for Fox on Friday nights. They kicked ass. They just didn't kick enough ass to justify the cost. And that's just life. So it's not like I'm suggesting that somebody wasn't very good at their job and they were just had, you know, stars in their eyes because they were wrestling fans. I'm not saying that at all. Some really, really smart people on the business affairs side of, of Fox, which are really good at what they do, based projections based on what was known at the time. And what became known in the future was quite different or different enough, at least not to be able to justify the number. Well, we know that that's a wrap, uh, but I don't think it's bad news for WWE. Uh, I am curious if you think that this is going to have a negative effect long-term. I mean, this isn't like this is news to Ari Emanuel or the UFC or Endeavor. Uh, they clearly knew that this was happening. I mean, the, the, this deal just, just come together over the last week or so. Um, but I'm curious if you think there will be ripple effects in what might be an opportunity for a third wrestling organization or certainly AEW. I mean, I know there's lots of rumor and innuendo that perhaps Turner owns uh, a part of AEW. Nobody knows. It's not a publicly. I do. I don't have it written in front of me, but I, I will stake almost everything. I own the fact that discovery Warner owns 30% of AEW. I think that 30% number has been floated around on the, uh, quote unquote, underground railroad of the wrestling universe, if you will. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's a number that's out there, but we don't know for sure. Um, but I am curious, do you think there are potential ripple effects in the wrestling space based on Fox pulling out of this deal, or is it just business as usual for the rest of the wrestling landscape? 
I, I don't know what it would be. I mean, I, I can't imagine Fox is going to go, okay, this WWE thing didn't work out with SmackDown, so let's take a look at uh, maybe acquiring an AEW product. That's just not, that's that's fantasy wrestling booking, so to speak. That ain't going to happen. I think if Fox made up their mind that wrestling just wasn't viable enough for them, if you look, if you can't make WWE work, you're not going to make anything work. That's simple. So as far as an opening up an opportunity for a third company to start working with Fox, I, I, I just don't see it. In fact, I, I, it's the opposite. It's just one more network that's going to decide for a long time not to go back into the wrestling business. So, no, I, I don't see it, it creating any positive opportunity for anybody. I think it would be make it harder for a, a new company to emerge because Fox tried it and it didn't work. Why would any other network decide maybe they can make it work? I think it's the opposite. Um, are there going to be ripple effects? Sure. I, I would imagine this is going to affect the WWE stock price negatively at least in the short term, because the market doesn't like uncertainty. This is an uncertainty. This is the definition of an uncertainty. What's it going to mean? I don't know what the dollar values are. I, don't, I haven't even had time, quite honestly, because you and I have been recording 83 weeks as this news was breaking. So I really haven't even had time to look at any of the numbers associated with this deal in terms of the license fees and what it means. Not sure what it means for Raw and NXT. It could be a major advantage. It could be a disadvantage. I just too much new information for me to, to try to even imagine at this point, according to the Hollywood reporter, WWE is willing to listen to several offers from networks regarding the raw broadcasting rights, quote, a source familiar with the raw discussions, tell the Hollywood reporter that the market for the program is extremely active with traditional linear network streaming services and unexpected players all interested. Hmm unexpected players that's get that's pretty exciting is it not i guess i mean who could that be what what comes to your mind Conrad? well i mean when we say streaming services i mean and, and you and i have talked about a little bit of this off air maybe we have before a long time ago when the the rumors of hey would wwe consider a sale and lots of people were saying oh disney this oh amazon that uh I mean, Apple TV has certainly thrown their hat in the ring as has Amazon and the Amazon piece is interesting just because of, you know, their ability to move merch and move product. And I know that they're really thrilled with fanatics, but I believe fanatics has a presence on Amazon as well. And when you think about just the licensing opportunities and, and just creating commerce and getting it in front of people, that could be really spectacular. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect as far as, cause in my mind's eye, we're also going to be on USA, but I, I certainly see if I'm USA and I think, well, Hey man, uh, the entire time we've had raw, they've kind of been the a show. That's what we thought we were getting. And then when SmackDown got Fox, you sort of made that the a show We're your longtime partner. We want the a show that that makes sense to me. Uh, but I am curious where the whole raw thing shakes out. I mean, I would also not be surprised if it stays right exactly where it is. That's kind of where I would lean. And, and, and no reason for that really, other than my gut is raw has been a fixture 
on USA Network for as long as I can remember. I don't even remember when it first started. It's been a minute or a million. I just, and there's a lot of value in that. When you talk about how hard it is, when people talk about how hard it is to create appointment television in an era where you don't really need to watch appointment television because you can get whatever you want, wherever you want, however you want of your favorite program. But still, Monday Night Raw is a family, it's communal viewing like it used to be and probably like nothing else is, especially 52 weeks a year. And aside from the dollar value and and the ad sales value and the economics of that deal, there is a lot of value in being destination television on Monday night, 52 weeks a year. Everybody knows that it hasn't changed in forever and it's not going to change in the future. There's value in being able to make that statement as a network. um, There's predictability as an advertiser. There's comfort and safety as an advertiser as a result of that. So there's a lot of, I don't know if intrinsic is the right word, but there's a lot of subtle value in maintaining Raw on Monday night. I would be surprised if it moved, but then again, I've been out of the business long enough where I'm, I, I realize that nothing should surprise me anymore. Well, this is also part of the Hollywood reporter line. While the new deal will bring WWE to NBC primetime, those four specials a year and SmackDown to USA on Friday nights, it will also mean the end of raw and NXT on USA. And that is almost immediately disputed by sports business journal, where they say the NBC U is still considered a front runner to renew its raw deal, but there's also interest from Disney and Amazon, but they warn that. And I guess this makes sense because you've got to remember some of these other platforms, they're pretty invested in Monday night events like Monday night football. And perhaps this could mean that raw would be on a different night. Now I'm not trying to get the cart before the horse, but I can't help but wonder what would that look like? Would I mean I don't I don't believe they'd want to have raw on a Thursday night. I could be wrong. You got a Thursday night football, don't you? Right. So that kind of means Tuesday or Wednesday. And it feels like no matter what, we might be in a head-to-head circumstance again with Good. with AEW and another property. Would you be surprised? Doesn't it even sound weird? I'm not saying this is happening. I'm not predicting it. I'm not forecasting it. I'm just fantasy booking Wednesday night raw. That would sound weird. Would it not? Yeah. And that goes back to what I was saying before. I mean, Monday night raw is a part of it's generational now. Yes. There are adults that are in their forties that used to watch Monday night raw when they were teenagers. And now they're watching Monday night raw with their children. That's what I mean about the intrinsic value or, or, you know, the, the value that lies beneath the surface of the economics of it. It's generational for crying out loud. Is there anything else on television that's generational at this point? I don't think so. We should not, we should mention that, uh, as soon as this news broke, uh, the stock was down 10% when the market opened. So I don't know what they were expecting, but it wasn't this. The wall street journal wrote people familiar with the pact valued it at roughly 1.4 billion 
which is about a 40% increase over the WWE deal that they had with Fox. Well, that would come out to an average annual value across five years of 280 million compared to the 205 million that Fox was paying for SmackDown. And then CNBC came out and just straight out said, Hey, the number's 287 million. So if they were really getting 205 and they're up at 287, it's kind of a head scratcher as to why people aren't thrilled with that, you know, from a stock price standpoint, like, do you think there's a lot of institutional investors and, you know, I, I don't, I don't know anything about the stock market, but it almost seems like it's automated. Yeah. And I think anytime there is a major news story or shift in a company's business, there are investors who are going to take the more conservative approach and get a little, get out of the business for a minute and see where the dust settles. That's kind of what it feels like to me. That's why it, it, it doesn't surprise me that the stock went down a little bit. It could be right back up there by this time tomorrow. It could be up 12% by this time tomorrow. Once the dust settles, the smoke clears, the information is out there uh, and a little bit more available for people to digest over a period of time. It could do a complete opposite tomorrow. I, I don't know, but it doesn't surprise me at all. It's the nature of business, it seems. Well, we should also mention that as we, as you and I are recording now, it's one thirty central two thirty Eastern. The previous close of the TKO group was a hundred point 87. So a hundred bucks and 87 cents a share as we're recording right now in real time, they're down 12.7%. They're at 88.17.15. It continues to move, but listen, that's not necessarily something I'm with you, Eric, to get totally spooked by. When they had the whole barstool pin ESPN bet separation deal a couple of months ago, we saw that stock just go through the roof on the announcement of ESPN and then pretty much crater over the next three days. Like it came right back down where it, maybe it belonged. So I think a lot of times people take the approach of, well, no news is good news. And this news where maybe people weren't ready for it. Oh, it's different. It's not as consistent. Maybe we're a little panicky now. Uh, we'll touch on a few more things about this new deal. And then we're going to talk about the roster. I suppose, uh, John Pollock writes financials of the deal unknown. Wall street had expectations of what the rights would garner and USA likely was the easiest path while also maintaining reach versus say an Amazon on USA. There's no affiliate programming to prevent the possibility of a third hour down the road. And that's kind of interesting because we've never really even considered that. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the possibility of a three hour SmackDown? I mean, obviously if you're looking to deliver revenue and value, you only have to set that truck up one time, all the lighting trusses one time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's not a whole new set of costs involved with a third hour. I mean, there are, but they're nominal in scale. And I could see that being an affordable option if there's a big enough appetite. But if I'm, if I'm USA, I'm like, Mightn't it be easier to sell ads on Monday night as opposed to Friday night? But with the third hour, USA is familiar with that. What do you think? Will we see a third hour of SmackDown on USA? I mean, the economies of scale, which you touched on suggests that absolutely. It's what Turner did to nitro, you know, uh, when 
it wasn't my decision to go to three hours. I was the mandate that came from, from Ted uh, and, and Brad Siegel at TNT. Because you, when I say economies of scale, if it costs $100 to fly the crew there, to set up the ring, to bring in the trucks, to get your satellite time, fly all the talent in, all the costs associated with, with, with putting on Monday Nitro was $100. <clears throat> And it only costs $117 to do an extra third hour. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, that third hour became very, very cost efficient. The entire three hours became much more attractive than just a two-hour show because you could spread those costs out, sell more ads in that third hour, drop your your, your expenses, so to speak, or, or offset your expenses with more ads. So it makes a lot of sense. USA has obviously had a lot of experience with it. They're very comfortable with it. They've been doing it for a long time. I would be surprised if they didn't, frankly. I'd be shocked. And I, I don't know from an advertising point of view, just because I don't have the knowledge or, or experience or information, I don't know what the difference would be between a Monday and Friday. It could be significant. It could be negligible. I just don't know. I can't comment on that. There's a, a report that's coming out. You know, I, I guess maybe this is from, um, what was in the paper yesterday. And now today, I guess there is, a, you know, some more Axios filings and maybe there's a concern that, Hey, what if Vince McMahon winds up leaving WWE, do you have a, a read or a feel, or what does your gut tell you about the long-term future of Vince McMahon and WWE? I, I would never bet against Vince McMahon in terms of Vince doing what Vince wants to do. My instinct and a little bit of experience suggests to me that Vince doesn't want to walk away. This is Vince's baby. This is, is this is a part of Vince's family. Um, I don't see him walking away from it. It's nothing has ever happened in my professional lifetime that suggests to me that Vince wants to do anything other than what Vince is doing. He doesn't have hobbies, doesn't appear to have much of a social life. He works like a maniac. He lives to work and works to live. I just, I don't think Vince could be happy doing anything else other than what he's doing. Now there's other things going on. And, and, you know, some of the stock price issues could be a reflection of a lot of the news that we've read over the last couple of days right? about the pending litigation and perhaps criminal charges and all the other crap that's floating around out there. Personally, I, I don't think any of that sticks. I think it's a lot of, it's a lot of nasty noise and a lot of uncomfortable information, but I, I don't think. I don't think at the end of it all, it's going to come to fruition or mean anything. I think Vince will, Vince will be just fine in that regard. I don't know that. I just feel that. But I don't see him wanting to do anything else. If they're going to take him out of there, it'll be kicking and screaming. It won't be him deciding it's time to go. TKO in there. Sorry. Go ahead. Cut you off. My bad. We've been recording nine hours today, and I didn't think I'd step on you. My bad. <laughs> I got my timing off. Uh, TKO said in their regulatory filing, this is according to WrestleOps, quote, Vince McMahon's membership on our board could expose us to negative publicity and or have other adverse financial and operational impacts on our business. His membership may also result in additional scrutiny and otherwise exacerbate the other risks 
described herein, any of these outcomes could directly or indirectly have adverse financial and operational impacts on our business. And the regist is this new entity TKO has registered all of Vince McMahon's shares for sale, thus enabling him to avoid the lockup period that applies to other TKO stockholders like Endeavor. And McMahon holds around 28.84 million TKO shares, which is valued at around $3 billion. Uh, and it looks like at least on the outside, this is trying to give McMahon some flexibility and, uh, gives him the opportunity to cash out. Should he want to, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand because of some of the other news that has come out that perhaps people want to jump on that, but I don't think that's necessarily something that every quote unquote owner wouldn't want who wants to quote unquote, sell something. I mean, let's just brass tax it. Let's say for instance, you have something to sell. Okay. I'll buy it from you, but you can't get any of the money yet. Yeah. What? Like especially I, I, when you're 80 years old, you yes. know, or however old he is, you know, yes. it's not like, you know, he's got all the time in the world either. Although, you know, I think he's said some, somewhere along the line, he was going to live to be 120. He told uh, Kurt angle that on Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. Uh, yeah. That's where I heard that. Yes. It's like, wow. You know? And then again, I wouldn't bet against him either. <laughs> I, um, I'm curious to see what happens with Vince and I'm even more curious to see what happens maybe with Monday night raw, because if we go to a streaming era of Monday night raw, that will really be a whole new world. I mean, we've talked about, you know, I was talking with Jeff not too long ago on, on our show, my world. And he said, this is really the, the end of the territory system with the McMahon's no longer being, you know, the primary owner or what have you of WWE and. They have a parent company. I mean, this is, this is it. This is the, the last territory and the idea that there's not a Monday night raw on just feels weird after 30 years. Doesn't it? It would, if it happens, but I, again, I don't see it happening, but it, it, look, the audience will, will adjust. They always do. Yes. And, you know, I want to go back to some of the, the, the statement that you read that evidently came from TKO as a risk factor regarding Vince and the news that's, that's going on. I, I understand why it was said. I mean, that's what you have to do when you're a publicly held company and you have to acknowledge certain risks and opportunities in your statements. But if Vince McMahon walked away this afternoon, cashed in his 28 million stocks or whatever he's got, took his $3 billion, bought a yacht, floated around the Caribbean for the rest of his life. I do not see it having any adverse impact on WWE. And that's a credit to Vince. Vince has done such a phenomenal job building that organization, surrounding himself with the right people, both on the creative side of the business, on the business side of the business, and certainly now with Ari Emanuel and, 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 and Endeavor behind it, the quality of leadership and talent in WWE right now is Amazing. I, I wish a lot of other major companies had the same type of leadership and management. Um, so I, I don't see that being a risk. I really don't. But what do I know? Well, there's I'm a lot of. Here, I'm sitting here in a treehouse in the middle of Wyoming. So, you know, take my opinion for what it's worth. The seasons are changing and fresh ball fall is finally upon us. And 
You need to be in the festive spirit, right? Light a candle, get some pumpkin spice, and make sure your balls look real nice with the sponsors of today's edition of Strictly Business, Manscaped. Nature may clear the leaves of their trees, but you'll need Manscaped's help to get you ready for that sweater weather. Get your pants, puppies prepared for cuffing season with a trim as refreshing as a fall breeze by going to manscaped.com and using code WrestleBiz for 20% off plus free shipping. That's W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z. I look great in a flannel. I don't wear enough of them. I love flannel season. I love cozy socks. But we can't forget to trim our balls. By now, you've heard of them, but it's time to join the 9 million men worldwide using Manscaped and get the kit that covers it all. The Performance Package 4.0. It starts with the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer with advanced skin-safe technology that reduces nicks and cuts to make raking the leaves a lot less painful. Plus, the Lawnmower is a technical masterpiece. It has a 7,000 RPM motor, a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, and built-in 4,000K LED spotlight to help you see parts of your body you haven't looked at in years. And once you've cleared the driveway, the Performance Package comes in hot with products to cool you down. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner. It's all one to prevent stink and one to clear it up. With a soothing aloe vera formula, move over pumpkin spice. Fresh balls are the smell of the season. The Performance Package 4.0 Capsule with two free gifts. Eric Bischoff loves free stuff. The Manscaped Boxers, which I was just wearing the other day, and the Shed Travel Bag. That's one to hold your Manscaped goodies and one to hold your man goodies. Bring in the fall right and get 20% off and free shipping with code WrestleBiz at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use code WrestleBiz. As the leaves fall, make sure you have it all with Manscaped. Let's step aside for a second, Eric, to remind the Strictly Business listeners out there that this episode of Strictly Business is presented by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex, gentlemen. Guys, remember the days, and it might have been a while ago. It's okay if it was. It might have even been just a few weeks ago when you were always ready to go on a moment's notice. No shame. Our bodies change. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed by heading on over to BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or just be ready whenever the opportunity arises, and the process is so simple. Sign up, BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you're going to receive your prescription within just days. And the best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made right here in the United States of America and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. I know it can be awkward sometimes when you have a product delivered to you that is for personal enhancement or improvement, but have no fear when Blue Chew arrives at my door. I don't have to worry about anyone picking up on my business. It's strictly my business here when it comes to Blue Chew. And I know that I'm making a first impression that is going to last a lifetime with Blue Chew. So we want to help you out here on Strictly Business, as does Blue Chew. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code WrestleBiz. That's W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code WrestleBiz to receive your first month absolutely free. 
Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring Strictly Business. I am interested to get your opinion on the other news that most wrestling fans are more excited about. Don't get me wrong. Smackdown leaving Fox is a big deal, but that happens a year from now. Right. 90 days from now, a lot could change. A report as we're recording this morning came out that Mustafa Ali was no longer working with WWE. And then I believe the next name was Emma and boy, I felt awful for her. She's a nice person in real life. We've had her at a few star casts and she's just delightful, but she quote tweeted the announcement about, Hey, elimination chamber coming to uh, Perth, Australia. She was pumped. And about 20 minutes later said, uh, sorry, never mind. I've just been released by WWE felt awful for her, but this isn't her first time leaving WWE. Hopefully it's not her last time being there, but she'll be successful wherever she goes. I am curious. Let's just stop there before we run through the rest of the list. Mustafa Ali. Is that a guy you could see showing up on an AEW show sometime soon? Or what would you expect for him? Well, I, I, I think he's an amazing talent. I'm, I'm pretty good friends with him, by the way, and have stayed in regular contact with him uh, ever since I left in 2019. When I say regular, I don't mean every week or every month, but we we, we stay in touch, mostly through text and things. Uh, I think the world of him, he's an amazing talent. And he, I know he's an amazing amount of drive and ambition. So uh, my guess, the, and I don't want to suggest I know him really well personally, but what I've come to know of him suggests to me that if anything, he will be even more motivated and inspired than he was two days ago or 24 hours ago. So I would not be shocked at all based on his own desire and ambition and abilities to see him in AEW. The big question is what is, and we'll go through this because there's probably, I know there's more than one person on that list and some of them are a little surprising to me, but well, we'll talk about AEW when we're done going through the list. Let's do that. What I'm, what I'm most interested in on the Mustafa Ali deal is, as I understand it, like nine days from now, he's supposed to be challenging Dominic Mysterio at NXT no mercy for the North American title. And now he's just gone. That's that's that, that all, surprises me Yeah, because it, not that this would have been the greatest thing in the world to do. But from a purely business perspective, and probably for Safa as well, you could have released him at the end of the next month. Right. You could have released him after the, you know, would have been no harm and no foul and wouldn't have any measurable effect on the bottom line. You know him. I do not. But there's certainly been reports that he wasn't happy with WWE for quite a while and had been wanting this release. So, I'm wondering, and, and I was, oh, I, don't know, I don't know that that's true. Okay. I, I mean, I, here's, here's what I think based on a little bit of communication I had with him, very frustrated, wanted to do more, constantly trying to figure out a different, better approach to his character. Yeah. Frustrated with himself to a degree, frustrated with the, not being able to find a way to crack the code and make it happen. But that's probably true for almost everybody that's in the talent business, whether you're an actor, actress, musician, whatever you are. You, I mean, it's a very tough business in a competitive world. And 
And yes, you've got to constantly figure out ways to reinvent yourself. So I think if there's frustration, sure, it probably existed. There may have been a time along the way. I don't know this. He never expressed it to me where he may have been thinking about leaving. But I, I'm sure he's very disappointed at this point. Very disappointed. And But I, by the way, I think that disappointment will evolve into intensity and determination to to prove that WWE made a bad choice. Uh, Emma, we know we've seen her in uh, Impact, certainly seen her in um, WWE a couple of times. I think she can pretty much write her own ticket, and I would imagine that we would see her land somewhere sooner rather than later. Elias is somebody you probably worked a little bit with. Mm -hmm. Once upon a time, boy, he was getting a lot of television time. I think he and Kevin Owens still may have the cheap heat record reaction. I was a little surprised that they didn't do more with Elias once he had that television steam, but it felt like he hadn't been a priority in quite a while, but what a look, what a performer. I hope it's not the end for Elias. What do you expect? Harder one to, to get a feel for, um, I did work with him quite a bit for a short period of time while I was in WWE. We talked pretty regularly and talked about his character and ways to improve and maybe, you know, take different approaches to things all on a fairly superficial level, but still a pretty consistent level. And I, I just got the impression that he was very, very committed and a very talented guy. You know, he wasn't afraid to go out and try anything new. And he was credible and talented. So I I just don't know what his ambition is. You know, it's hard. Look, he's not young. He's not a 25-year-old or 28-year-old or 32-year-old. It's At some point in time, you reach a certain age in your late 30s, early 40s, which I think that's probably where he lands. You've got to kind of make up your mind whether you're going to pursue this line of work for for the next 20 years, or maybe while you're still young enough, shift gears and pursue something else while you're still young enough to do it. Because the last thing you want to do, and, and and I've kind of lived this to a degree, is you you spent 30 or in my case, I stayed in the business till I was in my 50s, really my 60s. And at some point, you know, you got you you realize, okay, your time is up. That train has left the station. Now you've got to do something else. You've got to reinvent yourself. Right. And I've been fortunate because I wasn't a wrestler. I was more on the business side of things. I was able to more easily migrate into other interests and lines of work and kind of leverage my experience and time in wrestling in order to create other opportunities because I wasn't a wrestler. It's a little harder to do when you've spent all that time in the ring. Your, your skill, your skill sets in the ring don't necessarily translate to a lot of other businesses. So I think for someone like Elias in his age group, I think probably the discussion is more internal than external. External meaning, I wonder if Tony Khan's interested in me, or I wonder if I could go to impact or, you know, whatever. I wonder if I can, you know, make a couple hundred grand a year on the indie scene for the next couple of years. That's a great conversation to have with yourself. If you're in your twenties or early thirties, it's a little bit more uncomfortable when you're in your late thirties or early forties, if that makes sense. 
Let's run through a few other names that made the list. Riddick Moss, Riddick Moss and Rick Boogs. Any experience working with those guys in your 2019 no. experiment? No, to be honest, experiment. That's a great way to say it. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 if I had any contact with them, I, I don't remember it. Uh, I don't think Aaliyah has wrestled with WWE at all since she lost the tag titles over a year. As I understand it, she was released today as well, uh, as was top dollar. Uh, any interaction with, uh, either of those folks or what do you, Dollar, I had on, uh, I had on strictly business a while back. That's right. So, yeah. So super guy, what a great, what a big, big personality. So, um, but professionally, you know, no experience with him, but just what a great guy and a big personality. I'll be surprised if he doesn't end up pursuing the business either on the independent scene or an AEW or somewhere else. Well, he knows how to get people talking. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed some of his, uh, raps he's posted online. We had him here at the house for a, uh, AEW most or a and E easy for me to say most wanted treasures episode, just a super guy in person. Uh, but I know that different people have different takes on him. Well, I can only tell you what my experience has been and it's been fantastic. So I, for one, hope that he finds success in whatever it is he does in life, but uh, before WWE, he, uh, had a little run in a thing called the NFL. So I think he'll be just fine. Uh, Shelton Benjamin is one of the names that shocked me the most today. Uh, he was such a big part of the hurt business, just a long time WWE guy, uh, by all accounts, one of the nicest human beings you could ever meet and a great close personal friend to a lot of folks in WWE. And it feels like his time there has now come to an end. Uh, I would not be surprised to see him wind up doing something else in professional wrestling. Like you got to think if he wanted to be a trainer or a coach or a performer, he has options, but this is definitely a person you worked with. Gosh, 20 years ago with WWE. What do you think about Shelton? The world He's genuinely one of the nicest, most professional and talented and gifted athletically people I've ever worked with. That one surprises me because Shelton is one of those guys. You could put him up on the shelf. You could just kind of keep him there in the inventory and you can pick him out and plug him into any scenario you felt you needed at that moment. And he could over deliver. He's such a great performer and such a pro and like I said, just so gifted athletically that he and another individual we're going to talk about in just a moment are, they are the ultimate professional wrestling utility players because they can do it all. Well, you teased it. We should talk about it. Maybe the most shocking name for a lot of WWE fans today, Dolph Ziggler has been released by WWE and you and I had a chance to talk all fair before we clicked record today. And my goodness, that was the one that maybe shocked both of us the most. He just turned 43 years old, still in phenomenal shape. Uh, he's done a lot of television stuff. He's done stand up comedy and he's been with WWE forever. He started with the company in 2004 on TV, I believe. So we're talking wow. nearly 20 years of continuous employment with WWE. And I'm sure if you were to ask the real life 
Dolph, what his favorite part of working with WWE was, he might say the checks because he got them every single week for 20 years. Mm. And, and when you look back 10 years ago, uh, the night after WrestleMania in 2013, where he did the cash in, it's still one of the loudest pops in WWE history. He was Mr. Money in the bank. He cashed it in on Del Rio and that crowd in New Jersey went bananas for him. Just an all time, great Monday night raw moment. And of course we know not too long after that, he suffered a concussion and it felt like the WWE sort of moved on from him being one of the top guys, which is a real shame because that guy could sell his ass off. He made everybody look great. He was a good promo. He had it all. And I, for one hope that he's not done with wrestling. He may be above everyone else on the list today has so many options outside of wrestling as well. But I would love for him to just show everybody what he's really capable of doing. Cause I think this sort of gets lost. He's not just a phenomenal sports entertainer and a comedian. He's also a legit badass amateur wrestler. So this is a guy who has a real pedigree who let's just be honest, started with the spirit squad and then was a caddy with Chavo Guerrero and then got one of the worst names in wrestling history. Dolph Ziggler loosely based on, I assume Dirk Diggler from the porno movie, boogie nights with Mark Wahlberg in the nineties. And you made it work nearly 20 years. Bravo. You talented son of a gun. You bravo. Yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine that Dolph probably has enough money in the bank because he has made a lot of money consistently over 20 years. He may not have been any, you know, in the top 10 of highest earners or even top 15 of highest earners, probably top 15, but he's been doing it for 20 years. That's a lot of money. And he probably is financially in a position where he could either just retire or pursue something else that he had passion with, whether it's stand-up comedy or acting or any number of other things, because he's such a gifted talent. Um, but I, and I, I don't know Dolph at all. I mean, we're, you know, I, when I see him, we're friendly, but I, I don't, we don't text or stay in touch or I don't have any direct relationship whatsoever. I just know what I see. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes what I see in the ring or on TV, but also what I see, you know, I follow him on social media and some of the things that he's doing. I've seen some of his stand up comedy, not, not live, but social media. I, I think he's going to do what he's going to have the most fun doing because he's got the option to pursue fun rather than finance. That's a wonderful position to be in. Hell yeah. It doesn't, is. His bro- doesn't his brother work at AEW? He does. And he's hilarious. There you go. So if, out of the entire list of everybody that we've, we've discussed, if there's one that I see making that move more than anybody else, it's Dolph because his brother's there and that would be fun. And I think that's probably going to motivate Dolph more than anything else at this point. He doesn't need the money. I might guess. I don't know what he's done with his money, but he seems to be a very smart guy. Um, he's going to pursue what makes him happy. And I think probably working with his brother would make him happy. So that'd be my bet is that if there's any one of those people that are going to go to AW, it would be him. Well, I'm excited to see what any of these folks decide to do next. I, um, I had a conversation with somebody that I, I won't name, but I will say, I think people are sleeping on Dolph's amateur abilities. 
and somebody that you and I both know, like, and trust in the wrestling business when people were once thrilled. That's a short list. (laughs) It is. But this person, uh, is on the list for both of us. And when we were having a conversation about best wrestler in the world, that sort of thing, a lot of people were saying it was, uh, a handful of performers in new Japan who at the time were wrestling once every three weeks and wrestling 40 and 50 minute matches. And the quip was made. There'd be a lot of greatest wrestlers in the world. If they wrestled once every three weeks and they were given 30 and 40 and 50 minute matches for every match. Let's say you go get your shit over in a TV match with six minutes, including entrances. That is a different animal. Yep. And I totally get that. And that made a lot of sense to me, but I will say we have probably never seen what Dolph Ziggler is really capable of. We've probably not seen in a long time. What Shelton Benjamin is really capable of and a whole lot of other folks on this list today, just because of the WWE system and their approach, it's so different than what you would see at an impact or a new Japan or an AEW, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm excited to see how some of these folks sort of go redefine themselves and never say never. I mean, I don't think a lot of people would have imagined that drew McIntyre would be back and accomplish the things he did, but he left and he came back hotter than ever. And so did Cody Rhodes and, and, and we've heard that story a lot. Yeah. I'm excited to see who's next to be creative outside of WWE. But maybe the larger story here is Eric. I can't help, but wonder since we did just do this big new merger, these releases have to be a function of, Hey, uh, UFC has had less top line revenue than WWE this year, but yet they're twice as profitable. We've got to right size some spending. Do you assume that some of these contracts or talents were cut because maybe they were on a. Well, Vince likes you, so he's going to take care of you deal. And ultimately it's not Vince's call, or are they trying to hit a number and get under a budget? Because that's what it feels like to me. Like I've seen narratives online where people are saying, well, they probably cut so-and-so because he, he was overpaid based on his push. That's easily fixed with creative folks. It's more a function to me of, Hey, we have this budget in order for us to deliver this number to wall street. They can forecast income. I mean, they know what the television rights are. They have a, they have a model now where they can run a pro forma for live events and merch and all of those things. So they have the data now to put together a pretty good pro forma of what to expect income wise. So in large part, it's a function now of how do we right size expenses? They're just trying to hit a budget, right? Eric, I, I, I that's where I land. I, I, I don't think there was any, you know, oh, this was Vince's guy and they're paying him just because Vince likes him. I'm not saying that doesn't happen or hasn't happened, but I don't think that's the issue here. I think the issue is they knew going into this deal that they had to hit a number and they're making wholesale changes to hit that number. And then I wouldn't be, and this is where I thought you were going and maybe my imagination got the best of me. But when you're talking about Dolph in particular and his abilities as a wrestler, amateur collegiate style wrestler, as well as Shelton, Will Osprey has done a hell of a job building a career for, for himself and made a lot of money just being an independent all over the world. 
I could see Shelton. I could see Dolph doing the same thing, New Japan and otherwise, and building themselves back up again, like Osprey has on that circuit, and ended, ending up back in WWE at some point, like a lot of other people that we've seen come and go, get fired, get released. A year later, they're back, either because they've reinvented themselves or the numbers have adjusted where they needed to be in order to make it work, whatever the case may be. But I do think guys like Shelton and especially Dolph, not especially, but in addition to, to Shelton, Dolph, they could have some fun going and making a name for themselves based on the Will Osprey model, if you will. And the real question I have for you before we run out of time is what do you think Tony Khan is thinking right now? Or, and what do you think that the talent roster that's currently in AEW who have just gotten over the CM Punk impact, meaning guy comes in from WWE, been gone for seven years, comes in, everybody else gets pushed down the card, blah, 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 blah. Big guy comes in, somebody's going to lose an opportunity. What do you think Tony Khan is thinking right now? And what do you think the talent is thinking right now, knowing that there's some high equity players out there that are available and Tony could, should he decide to take them and add them to the roster? Well, I don't think Tony adding people to the roster would be anything new. I mean, it feels like every time I watch a dynamite or a collision, I'm seeing someone's debut. I think Tony is always looking for new and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I know that people dunk on Tony all the time for let's call it like it is creating jobs. I won't be one of those to do that. I understand when people want to armchair quarterback the business and all of a sudden they get down a rabbit hole and here's what he should do based on what, like when you ask any old timer, like a Jr, he'll say wrestling fans love new. Well, so he's trying new things. Some will hit some won't. So what, let's see what sticks. Let's do more of that. Let's figure out what doesn't work. Let's do less of that. So I don't think that would necessarily be a shock to people in the locker room that, Hey, they might be bringing in new people. Now, of course the next thing will be, uh, well, what about my spot brother? I get that that yeah, exists, but that exists right now and, and hasn't changed in wrestling history ever, but a function of, do we think that because new talent is available, they might lose their gigs. I don't think that's really something they have to worry about on the AEW side layoffs coming. I mean, I could be wrong. No, not layoffs, just opportunity TV time. Well, it's already so razor thin, man. You know, you've only got a handful of, you got so many wrestlers and just five hours of programming. I would. I would imagine that eventually he's going to, with one of these streaming services. And I know everybody is saying, oh, uh, max could be it. And maybe it is. I don't know. Um, but it feels like the ring of honor opportunity could be a thing. You've got a lot of really great talent there that if you had a ring of honor show that was on a streaming service that could build a sizable audience that in time could get a really devout following. And I know some people would say, oh, I don't know about that. I'd like to remind you that's how NXT started. Before NXT was a television property, when people were really excited about NXT, when NXT was at its critical peak, as far as fan reception, they did not have a television show on a linear network. It was something that was on a streaming service. So I could see that working for ring of honor for that niche audience that they get really excited about that. Does that mean they'd be a competitor to WWE as ring of honor? Of course not, but they could. They could vie for that clear cut number three. I mean, they'd be battling with impact for that in my opinion right now, but they could be competitive there with the right talent base. So I don't know that this has a huge impact on AEW, if I'm honest, 
but in 90 days, I suppose we'll see. It, it seems like if you had your, if you were steering the ship over there, you might make a play for uh, Dolph Ziggler. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah. Like I'd, I'd already be having a conversation with him <laughs> <laughs> as well as Shelton. Um, and others, but those would be the two guys that, yeah, I'd already have, if I wasn't talking to them, somebody that I trusted would be my only, uh, my only two cents unsolicited as a fan. What the hell do I know? I would not necessarily want to be a part of some mass debut where on the same night, we're going to debut nine different characters. Oh, like, like. I know we've seen some of that. We saw some of that with like the WCW invasion. And I know a couple of years ago we had, you know, Ruby Soho and Adam Cole and Brian Danielson all on the same day and almost set an expectation that with every new AEW show, it became, all right, well, who's showing up tonight. Yep. I, I think it would be cool if we had a real surprise. I mean, the, the moment that John Moxley was a surprise debut in Vegas, uh, at the first AEW pay-per-view double or nothing that was special. And I would love to see something like that happen for some of these talent, because if they're one of several debuts, they're one of several debuts, but if it's more than 90 days, maybe significantly more than 90 days, and you're not ready for it and you're not expecting it, because I'm telling you the internet is start is going to start going crazy with their calendars and they're going to start saying, well, it couldn't happen before here. They're already doing it with edge. They're already saying, okay, well, we heard it was October. So looking at the schedule, it could be here. Or it could be here. That really sucks. Some of the fun out of it to me, Eric, it's more fun when, yeah. oh, I didn't see that coming. And a friend of mine yeah. always talks about Sarsa and one of those S's is surprise. And I'd like to be surprised with some of these. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I think that's one of my critiques, not criticisms, but critiques, constructive critiques of Tony is that in the past, he's just He's, he's blown opportunities in terms of surprising by over-promoting. And I think having people coming in completely and shock the audience. Absolutely. Look at The Rock. And, and it's funny because when Rock showed up on SmackDown, um, and that, that timing is kind of interesting in the big scheme of things too, isn't it? Um, after all these years, Rock shows up the week before the announcement is made. That's cool. Um but when Rock showed up, I saw a lot of chatter online that was like, oh, I can't believe they didn't promote. If they would have promoted The Rock, it would have done even a bigger rating. But that reaction Rock got when he walked out was a real reaction. You don't get real reactions like that unless you elicit them. And having that surprise long-term has more value than the short-term additional ratings increase you may or may not get by promoting it. So. If, if you talk to Tony, spend time trying to convince him, whether it's Edge, whether it's Elias, whether it's anybody that he's going to bring in next, just surprise us. You'll be better off. So will the talent. They'll get more over. One more thing I want to touch on before we wrap this one up. And I appreciate you having me on this very special edition of Strictly Business. There was some news that kind of got buried today and all the SmackDown news and all of the release news. It was maybe quietly and maybe this wasn't the best time to announce it, but WWE announced that they're running elimination chamber in February of next year. And they're running it in Perth, Australia. They're running a stadium show. I hope I'm pronouncing this right at Opta stadium. 
It seats 60,000 people when it's in soccer mode. I'm sure when they block out some screens, they'll lose some of the, uh, the stands, but then we'll pick it up on the field. So I would guess it would wind up somewhere around 55 to 60,000 in the end. My question is, how do you expect they'll do? Do you think this will be like another, uh, crash at the castle or whatever it was called a few years ago? Do you think this could be a new market for them? I mean, this will certainly set the all time WWE Australian record. No. Sure. The only thing that's weird about Perth is and and Perth, uh, we did the Hulkamania tour in Australia, um, with the Condens as a promoter. One of the venues we used was in Perth. It's a million miles from nowhere. It's like the Dwight Yoakam song. I mean, you know, you've got Sydney and Melbourne over on the Eastern side of, uh, of the continent. And then you've got Perth down here and everything in between is a vast desert called the Outback. So I, I don't know, obviously, you know, WWE knows what they're doing. They did their research. They they're confident that they're going to be able to be successful there, but man, that's a trek. That's a, that's a relatively small market. Well, of course I was there a while back, but Perth is not like a major city. It's a, it's a smaller market. So it'll be interesting to see. We should mention that, uh, WWE has ran Australia in a big stadium show before over 21 years ago. It was August 10th, 2002 in Melbourne. They had 56,734. So if I was a betting man, I would think that our goal is 57,000 or more. Uh, I'm pulling for them. I, I'm so thrilled with the success that AEW had at Wembley stadium. I hope that we can continue that uh, on an international basis, at least with Australia and WWE. Would you be surprised to see AEW roll the dice in Australia? Maybe not in Perth, but in another market next year. Yeah, I did. Look, they're not ready for it. They've got to shore up things at home. You don't start expanding internationally in a place, especially a place like Australia, why the bottom is falling out of your live event business domestically. It's just not a good idea, but you know, anything can happen. See, I would have went the other way with that. I appreciate your two cents, but I remember a time where impact was struggling to get 1500 people to a show, but then it seems like they'd go to the UK and man, they could, they could get 10,000 in there. Yeah. But you're not, it, it, and then you come home and you're, you're right back to where you were. It, it's my opinion. I've, I've used this analogy so many times when talking about the professional wrestling business in almost any aspect of it, building a brand in the professional wrestling industry is very much like building a house and you can't start putting in the electrical and the plumbing before the foundation's done. You can't start putting up walls and framing the outside structure of the house, you know, before your foundation is strong. You can't put the roof on. You can't put the walls up before you get the electrical in. You've got to do things in certain order in order to have a strong foundation for your house and your business. And I think jumping out there and, and expanding internationally or adding more programming content before you figured out how to shore up your core, your core programs. I just think it's a mistake. You're spreading your resources too thin. You're, I just think it's a mistake. Having been there, having done that both ways, my opinion, it's a mistake, but what do I know? 
Well, I know we're going to have some fun. Uh, we're going to have a, a lot of fun actually this coming Monday, you and I are going to get together right here on the 83 weeks feed. And we're going to be talking about your ascent behind the scenes in WCW, how you became the executive producer and then how you became the big boss and the big seat. We're doing that next week. And the week after that on 83 weeks, a little teaser, we've got the only time Bret Hart wrestled Hulk Hogan in a singles match on television. Whoa. whoa, whoa. We doing that. Just follow me, Eric. I got it, buddy. You got it. All right. I'm Gina. And, uh, in the meantime, you'll see us online. Keep up with Eric's travels as he's going to be uh, making his way across the pond. He's at E Bischoff on Twitter. And, uh, we'll see you next week right here on 83 weeks. Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little more about what adfreeshows.com is all about. Get early ad free access to more than a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts every single week, starting at just nine bucks. That's less than 20 cents an episode each month. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple podcasts or your regular podcast apps. How easy is that? Ad-free shows also has thousands of hours worth of bonus content and docu-series like title chase, Eric fires back conversations with Conrad and the insiders plus new series like the book with David Crockett, Monday mailbags with Mike Kyoto and Nick Patrick and a whole lot more. And you want to talk about early. You can't get any earlier than listening to the shows live. You can be a part of the live studio audience as we record the podcast. Plus ride shotgun alongside your favorite childhood heroes for live watch alongs, Q and A's and other interactive experiences every single month. Come on now, see for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans from around the world have discovered that adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Check it out today. And Hey, when you do the first week is completely free adfreeshows.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.